thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. So I want to do that. John chapter 21. John 21 and 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, he showed himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. So they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Amen. I think there's no more fitting setting than to talk about a boat this morning. Amen. Since you're looking at a boat, I mean, you look at a guy big as a boat, you're looking at a boat behind me, and we might as well just talk about a boat. And I want to, my thought to you this morning is this, uh, your last night on the boat, your last night on the boat. Amen. You may be seated today. You did the right thing coming to the house of the Lord this Sunday morning. God is going to manifest himself amid all this distraction, amid all this decor, amid, uh, all of the moving pieces and excitement, uh, God's going to manifest himself here in the next few moments. A few days ago, I read an article, USA Today, that mentioned uh, military people and other folks uh, who have been through traumatic experiences and uh, the condition that is becoming quite common that we reference as post-traumatic disorder. A few years ago, I would have never thought it. Never understood it, but now such things are all of us. Uh, we, we've all become professionals at, at diagnosing post-traumatic stress disorder. As a matter of fact, sometimes we diagnose ourselves, and we have a bad week. Oh, man, I'm, a, I'm in post-traumatic stress disorder right now. It's a disorder. It may not be post-traumatic, but it is a disorder, and we're able to, we're able to even diagnose ourselves to that. But it, it comes that when in the wake of, large traumatic experiences and lately here and even like last year with Hurricane Harvey there is um, there is a wake of something that happens there's something happens in the wave of these large larger than life experiences and I, I've talked to pastor friends about it and and, and many times uh, after a hurricane blows through it seems like there's a lot of crazy around the church for a few weeks it's because of uh, We've been displaced, and we're out of our norms, and, and our normal schedules are, are different. And so it, it's, we're inclined in those moments. We're, we're very inclined in those moments to fall into dependencies and things uh, that, that we might not normally do. And it's proven that in the wake of a hurricane or a large traumatic stress uh, uh, moment like this, uh, that people begin to depend more on alcohol and drugs and things like that 
because uh, their worlds have been turned upside down. And so they, they, they turn and reach for things that they might not normally reach for during those moments. And when that, um, and, and in many cases, uh, when these larger-than-life events take place, um, people are known to respond with, with, with binges. And, and we heard it during at Harvey uh, because a lot of us were working, doing stuff, helping other people. And all we ate was fast food. And, and we started calling McDonald's and pizza and drive throughs uh, We didn't even refer to it as fast food. It became hurricane food. You remember because we just loaded on carbs. We went day and night for those next few days. And, and soon um, these traumatic um, these moments have us eating different and drinking different and doing different. And it produces, in many cases... Uh, Emotional pressures upon people. And some of these traumas, it's not easy. It's not easy to get over with. You see, when you go through some sort of loss of your normals, when your norms become different, then you become vulnerable. You become vulnerable to pressures. And and when this begins to happen, you begin to lean on other things. It's like, um, you know, when, when you, if you put all the weight on 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 one leg and then somebody comes along and they hit that leg or knock that leg out from under you it's just that you have no way to hold yourself because all of the weight is on that single leg we put weight on things when we've been through events when we go through life events it's very easy it's very tempting to put weight on things uh, that, that will help you to stabilize what's going on in your environment. In the attempt to, to normalize in those traumatic moments, uh, we do things and we tend to we tend to want to go back to something from the familiar. Uh, I, I was with uh, someone just a few days ago. And when the pressures got on them in the midst of that pressure, they're going to church. They're living for God. They, 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 they pray and they seek the Lord. But I heard this individual say, oh, if I could just have a cigarette right now. And I'm scratching my head saying, I know that you don't do that anymore. So how will that help this circumstance? You see, in the midst of pressures... We tend, just by, just by our natural humanity, we tend to reach back and, and lean on something that we've leaned on in the past because in the past it provided a bit of um, stability for us. We reach back into a, nor- a more normal time of life and hope uh, to recreate those feelings of security and normality again. We see this uh, many times uh, when good people begin to age and when, when they begin to feel the loss uh, of control of life, loss of strength, loss of finance, uh, loss of the ability to function. So, so what happens is, is many times uh, uh, people reach to the past uh, to provide stability upon where they are today. And that's when you hear people say, oh, it used to be a whole lot better than it is today. But in all reality, if you'll really be honest with yourself and think back uh, today, those times that you're thinking were so much better 25 years ago, uh, they really weren't better because you were trying to get out of them, hoping things are going to get better. Are you with me now? 
but because we're beginning to go through a, a season of life when that we reach out to find things from the past. We do this normally. We do it naturally. And so we reach out to try to try to find some, some things. You, you drive through somewhere and you live there 25 years ago. You drive back by the old home place. I've done this more than one time. My wife tell me, are we going on another church tour? Because we'll go through some area where I might have preached a few years ago or we might have pastored. Dad was there or something. And I want to go by and I want to remember because when I do that uh, I'm reaching and leaning and putting pressure on something from the past uh, that I so that I so remember but you see temptation there is a temptation for us uh, when traumatized we want to go back when traumatized we don't want to necessarily go back into sin but we want to go back to places that God has moved us uh, out of I want you to think with me now You don't necessarily want to go back to be who you were yesterday. But there's times that we want to go back to places that God has moved us out of. Mistakenly, we think that if we could just get back to the way things were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, to the place I was 15 years ago, back before this happened, that was stable and life was good. And if I can just reach back and grab a hold of this, uh, then I'll be able to find stability and be able to go forward with my life. This is where we find Peter in this reading today. The Lord had been crucified. He had been buried. He had been resurrected. Peter had already talked to him. And then it appeared that God just disappeared. Uh, He just disappeared from Peter's life. Uh, He disappeared for several days. uh, And Peter was traumatized. Uh, He and some of the other disciples were standing around that day. And and they realized uh, that he had given up everything to follow Jesus. He had followed him and now that now that his master, now his his pastor had had gone through these things and had been crucified and now buried and resurrected and he can't find him anywhere and but Peter thought uh, everything's going to be all right now that Jesus has been resurrected and back but in all reality Jesus had disappeared. And anybody that was related to Jesus at that point, uh, they were on the most wanted list. Uh, if they, they, the people, the, the government wanted Jesus um, and the government wanted disciples. Um, and in his attempt uh, to deal with the trauma of, of Jesus uh, disappearing from the scene for a few days, Jesus, uh, Peter shares that statement that I've read to you just a moment ago. I go fishing. I'm going back to something familiar. I'm going back to something that I found security in in years gone by. I'm going back to that place. You see, fishing's not a sin. And going back to there is not wrong. But God had moved him from being a fisherman and to being a fisher of men. And God had worked in his life and had removed him from one thing and was moving him into another place of life. But when Peter felt the the loss and the trauma of these things that was going on with Jesus. He naturally did what you and I do. I'm going fishing. Have you ever gone, have you ever left home and you remember maybe a childhood church and, and you remember it being huge and you remember it being greater than life. But when you go back for a visit 25 or 30 years later, you realize that 
that is no bigger than your church you go to now. And as a matter of fact, it's probably smaller in, in many ways. And, and you look back and you have some of those larger-than-life moments. But when you visit them now at a different perspective in life and a different maturity, that which was larger than life has remained larger in life. And really, your life today is in a larger place than it was then. But we want to reach back and remember, oh, how wonderful and good it was. But I can tell you, there were moments uh, yesterday that I was praying prayers that I needed prayed. And I was, I was seeking God for things that I needed. And I, I remember and I realize uh, that, uh, that in, those, in those moments, uh, I have fixed on something that's back there. And I think that would be and fix me with what I need. If I could just go back to the way church was 10 years ago. If I could just go back and, and have a certain person pray for me. If I could go back and I could receive a if I could if I could hear somebody sing that song one more time that would just provide what I need in this moment. But I suggest it's a natural thing for us to want to reach back to something that brought us comfort years ago and think that will do it again. But let me say God moves us forward and we go through different places of life and he is the same God God. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. 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 This is indicative of our struggles we have in life. We got saved. We got delivered. And we didn't have any struggles with anything anymore. And then one day, suddenly, the past jumps back, just like the individual I told you who wanted to reach back and depend in the moment of pressure upon, upon a cigarette. It's not gone, but, but sometimes these things want to flare up. How many times have you been caught up in a pressured moment, and before you realize it, you had spoken words that you thought didn't come out of your mouth anymore. You're in a pressured moment, and you thought things, you thought that my sanctified, holy Ghost filled mind don't think that way anymore and this mouth don't talk that way anymore let me just tell you something you folks are looking at me like a hoot owl on a limb or maybe a pelican in a ring y'all are looking at me like that this morning but let me say all of us have got that in us and we're living for God and we're trying to do what's right but there's moments of the past wants to raise up and it wants to speak out and it wants to say those things. sometimes the past wants to come back but I say every one of us has a struggle but every one of us has a God and at traumatic moments when we feel a slip up there's a God who's able to be there and take care of you in the moments of those temptations amen amen I find it amazing that God chose 12 disciples to change the world and not a one of them was a deacon not a one of them was a preacher not a one of them was a prophet they were normal folks one guy worked for the IRS one guy was a medical doctor there's a whole bunch of them that were fishermen they had all sorts of things in their life and, and, they, and God didn't call, there wasn't a single one of them a priest down in the church not a single one was the head of a deacon board, but every one of them was just a normal person. I suggest to you, God wants to change your world, and he wants to change it with a normal man and a normal woman just like you. 
He wants to raise you up to change. And he's got plans for your life. And he's got a plan for your future. And he's working for that. And so I would embrace the future and not try to reach back and depend. I'm saying I'm, I'm going back to my fishing. I'm going back to where I was. Nope, I, I'm not going back to where I was yesterday. Instead, God's moved me out of that place. He's moving me into a new way of life. He's moving me into a new plan. He's moving me into a new dimension of his spirit. And so I I just want his will to be done. And God had called Peter. Peter was a fisherman. But God says, you're going to become a fisher of men. I'm going to move you out of the familiar into a new element that you're going to have to change and adapt to. Change is painful. I know it is. Oh, it's painful. Some of you are going through changes in your families right now. There's people in this room that's going through changes in relationships right now. Amen. Things are going on. It's hard. It's hard to adapt uh, to changes in these moments. Uh, But God moves us from place uh, to place. Uh, And when you go through one of those traumatic experiences, we've got people here that were in divorce court this week. We've got people here who were down at the cemetery this week. We've got people here who were down at the hospital and the rehab this week. We've got people here who were just in court last week. Let me just tell you something. God moves us from season to season and when he moves us from season to season he's ready to provide a way for you to navigate through those times he moves you and he expects us to adapt to the new plans in our lives i'm telling you we can't make we can't take go back to our childhood we can't go back to our innocence. We can't go back to before it happened. we got to learn how to deal with life right where we're at. And while it might have been good yesterday, it can be just as good today. As a matter of fact, the Bible says greater things than these shall you do. God just keeps getting better and better and better. He doesn't diminish with time. Amen, amen. He doesn't diminish with time, but he just gets better. And he keeps improving. And there's no reason why your life can't be better in 2018 than it was in 2008. There's no reason why the circumstances you deal with can't be better than they were years ago. We can't live yesterday. We've got to live today. And we live it to the fullest. And we live it with our faith. And we live it with confidence. Amen, 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 amen. So Peter, Peter had a problem. We know he was a man with a temper. He was a man who liked to run his mouth. He was a man who was pretty good at cussing. We find the scripture where he cursed. And this was after he was following Jesus. This wasn't, this wasn't before he was following. This was after he was following. He was used to rough living. As a matter of fact, you think with me, Peter knew what it was to pull a knife and, and try to kill somebody. He cut a guy's ear off one day. Peter was proficient. Now, you're gonna, I'm going to try to make that, I'm going to adapt that to 2018. Peter was proficient at cussing and cutting. He knew how to cuss, and he knew how to cut. And, and you, know, you know what that, that term means. I wonder if you can be big enough this morning to admit that you've got some issues that's got to be dealt with for God to use you. 
I, I wonder if if the only reason, if you realize the only reason you've made it this far is God protects those that he plans to use. I wonder if you can realize God was protecting you when you were acting crazy. Some of you ought to be dead, but God was protecting you. Some of you ought to be wiped out, but God was protecting you. I listen to Chris talk, and he tells about getting run over, and, and, and he talks about motorcycle wrecks and car wrecks and pedestrian wrecks and, and, and marriage wrecks. I mean, he talks about all this stuff, and, and I just, I need, when I, hear, when I listen to Chris talk, I listen to all that stuff, and I, I, I need some tablets. I need some pills, you know. I need some pills to get over what he's been through. Amen. I start listening to that. But I realize that every one of us in this house, every one of us connected to this church, every one of us connected to this ministry, we have got a God who's protecting and taking care of you. And the devil wants to tear you apart, but God's going to hold you together. Amen. 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 You see, Simon, in this reading a few, a few verses later, He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. The devil wants you. He wants you. He wants to destroy you. He doesn't want you to just have one bad moment. He wants to possess you. He wants to consume you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to dominate and to control you. He want, the Bible said it this way, Satan desires to sift you. And when something is sifted, when the wheat was sifted, that was the process of separating the good from the bad. That was the process of things, of that wheat coming apart. And the devil wants to do anything he can do to make you come apart. He wants your marriage to come apart. He wants your mind to come apart. He wants your finances to come apart. He wants all of that to come apart. And the devil wants you to fall apart. But I say, devil, you're not going to have your dominion in my life. You're not going to have your dominion in families of this church. And you may try to sift, but we're going to stand firm. And we're going to stick together. And we're not coming apart. Amen. The devil set a trap. Amen. He'll set a trap. He'll let your success be a trap. He'll let your blessings be a trap. He'll let other things be a trap. And and when you've got to realize that he'll even bait that trap and make it look awfully good for you. But understand, some things are a trap from hell. Some things are the enemy trying to keep you from being all that you you can be and what God can help you be. Because if he can trap you, then he can do his best to make you come apart. You can't handle some things. Hear me me church family your ego is going to kill you you're not able to do some things your pride can destroy you you're not handle you can't handle those things you can't handle some, and the reason god might not have given you some money is because you might not can handle that money and because the reason god might have answered some of the prayers that you prayed is you can't handle some of those things he might not have given you that relationship or that dream that you've been asking for because you can't handle it because something that we've asked for are a trap from hell and he wants to hell wants to make you come apart and so when things rise up and you know good and well that hell wants to destroy you Amen. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. And if we know his tricks he uses the same tricks on us because he knows what makes us tick. Amen. 
He knows what makes us tick. That's the reason. You know, uh, I, I've never really been... I, I've never, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't had to deal with temptations uh, for, for other women. I've, I've, been, I've been married to this one for about 85 years or so. And, and that, that's, that's enough. That, 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 that's enough for me. But you know, uh, I, I've, never, I've never been one of those that just go down the road and just a strange woman just throw herself and just tip. I, I, that's not been one of the things I've had to deal with. Uh, but you know, there's some men who literally every way they look, uh, there's some opportunity to do wrong. There's some opportunity to do bad. Why does the devil know what works uh, on every one of us? Uh, you see, we've got a devil to fight. And he'll bring the temptation that'll, that'll, that'll be a temptation to you and he'll come right down your road right down your street right into your world and he'll tempt you with that thing that will work on you you got to learn how to say no devil I'm not doing that no devil I'm not receiving that no devil I'm not going that direction Amen. I'm not going that direction. I'm not doing that, devil. And you've just got to determine that I'm saying no to the devil. You see, I've got a devil to fight. And I'm going to tell him no. I've got a devil to fight. That's the reason I've got a devil to fight. That's the reason I show up at a prayer meeting. And that's the reason I show up on a Wednesday night. Is I've got a devil to fight. And that's the reason I come on Sunday morning and on Sunday night. Is I've got a devil to fight. And I've got a devil to overcome. And I'm going to overcome him. And he's not going to take me, and he's not going to take you, and I'm going to fight for you, and we're going to do this together because we have a devil to fight. And so I say, no devil, no devil, no devil, you can't have your way. Amen. You can't have your way, devil. I, I, I refuse that. Uh, he wants to sift you. He wants to break you apart. He wants to tear you apart. Uh, but Jesus told, uh, told Simon Peter that day, he says, Simon, Satan wants to sift you, but I have prayed for you. There's a God. You're not by yourself. And here's a God who stands and makes intercession for you right now. You want to know where Jesus is right now? He's making intercession for you. You want to know what he's doing right now? Well, I can't see him. He's standing in the gap. He's filling the hedge. He's making intercession for you. He's the intermediary. He's the intercessor. He's the one that's in between. And Simon, Jesus said, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Some of you, the reason you're still here is there's a God in heaven who's stopping hell. He's interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you. That ought to make you want to clap your hands to remember that this God knows where I'm at. And he knows what's going on in my life. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in my spirit. Satan, uh, he, he says, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. Amen. Hell wants to slap you around so you don't have faith. How does that work? Well, let me just tell you what happens. When you, when you, just make, a, when you make a mental decision, I'm just going to take the weekend off from church because, uh, because uh, I'm just tired. That's when your faith is beginning to fail you. When you say, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go to church uh, on a Wednesday night. And, and, and I'm just going to kick back and, 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 and eat supper and, and just uh, relax. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to, 
I'm not, I'm not going to go to church, a Bible lesson on Wednesday night. That's when your faith is beginning to fail you. You think, oh, no, I'm just, I mean, it's not a sin to stay home. We're not talking sin. We're talking faith is getting weak. And so when your faith is crazy, you remember when you first came to the Lord, uh, when you were strong in faith and you were wild and crazy in the Holy Ghost, uh, they say they're going to be a ladies' prayer meeting down there at the church. And, sir, you'd show up at the ladies' prayer meeting. It's not that you were genuinely confused. It's just that, that you were excited and your faith was strong. You're just going to show up. And so the men get together for something. And the women would want to come and be a part. And, and they, they want to cook or do something because their faith is strong. Peter, I'm praying for you, the Lord says, that your faith doesn't fail you. I don't want your faith to fail you, Peter. And so this morning, I've come to say, you need to build your faith up. You need to allow your faith to go strong. You need to allow your faith. You don't have a, you don't have a sin issue. you got a faith issue. Have a hard time paying your tithes. You don't have a money issue. you got a faith issue. You have a hard time showing up at a prayer meeting. You don't have a, a prayer problem. you got a faith problem. And when your faith is high, you're able to move and work in these areas. So my faith begins to run wild and begins to work. But the Bible says that when you, it's your faith fail you not. But when you are converted, Peter. When you are, when something converts, now I know as spiritual terms, we talk about new converts and we talk about people converting to a church, okay, and, and those things. But something that converts, it changes. Amen. Therefore, while I had the neatest little old car, I could just push a button and the top raise up and fold down, the trunk open up, and it all rolls up in there. And, and uh, I'd sit in that little car in my 50-something-year-old self with my cute little hat on. I was a midlife crisis rolling down the freeway. <laughs> Red leather, silver paint, you know, that was just, you know, all, all of that stuff. But it would, it would, it would convert, it would change, it would, it would be transformed, it would be, it would be converted. Uh, see, when you are converted, Jesus said, first off, he said, when? He didn't say if, he said when. He didn't say if the possibility could happen, but he said, I've been praying for you. And hell wants to fight you. He says, it's not if it happens, it's, it's when it happens. Brother Brian, it's when you get victory over this thing that's trying to destroy you. It's not if, it's when that you overcome this thing. And when hell comes at you, whatever thing it's got, it's, Brother Vivial, it's not if you've passed through this thing, but it's when you come through this thing. It's not if God's going to deliver you. It's a matter of when God delivers me because he's going to help you and he's going to carry you and he's going to transform you through this thing. Amen. Amen. It's not if, uh, it's when. But when you are converted, you see, for that conversion to take place, uh, something's going to change on the inside. Amen. And God's got a plan for your life. He wants you to be converted. He wants something to be 
different inside of you. He wants to transform you. You know, this morning, I'm competing with a lot of distractions in this room. We got birds hanging. We got monkeys and, and, and all kind of stuff. I'm surprised that the, light, the lighthouse isn't going off right now and somebody's looking for a, a way out. But I'm saying, in the midst of all the distractions of this room, let me simply say, there's a God who cares what's going on in your world and you're important to him and he's got plans for your life and he's going to transform you. He's going to move you in the right direction. He's going to make sure things are different in your life. He's going to make sure there's a transformation takes place. He's going to make sure there's a conversion that takes place. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And he's going to change the circumstances. He's going to change the details. And you may may not have any ability to do that. But God's got every plan to change and transform your circumstances. Amen. And when that is. He says, I'm praying for you that when you are converted, you strengthen the brethren. You see, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Some of you might think, well, I sure wish I could be like some of those folks that's going to that's gonna do all this, this uh, vacation Bible school stuff. And I wish I could be like some of them. God's got a plan. And he's, he's making something happen in your life that's transformative. Amen. And so you don't know. But some of you here today that would be scared to death to even think about participating in some of this crazy that's in this room. You don't know, but what the next time this comes around, you might be one of the people that's front and center and God's using you because he's got a plan in your life. He's got a plan for you, and he's working on your behalf, and he wants to use you. And so he says, there's going to be a change inside of you. And the problem that Peter had this particular day was, uh, was that he had decided at some point that he didn't sell his boat. You know, the Bible says way back in early early New Testament, it says, Simon, I'm going to call you to be a fisher of men. So you're not going to need this boat anymore because he called him from the boat. He called him from the nets. said, I'll make you follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. But somewhere in Simon Peter's thought process, he hung on to the boat just in case it didn't work out. Let me tell you, when it comes to living for God, you don't need a plan B. Amen. You don't need a plan B when it comes to living for God. You need to sell out. I mean, you might have smoked dope in another life, okay? But don't take all your roach clips and all your paraphernalia, put them in a shoebox, put them in a drawer in the bottom of your day, just in case this thing with Jesus don't work out. I still got my stuff. That's not the way it works. There comes a point you got to say, you know what? I'm not going back. I'm not going to depend on that. I'm not coming into a point... <clears throat> I'm not coming to a point when my life is going to be traumatic that I'm going to reach back for what I was yesterday. No, if I hit trauma tomorrow, I'm trusted in God. I'm trusted in Jesus, and he'll take me through that. The problem was that Peter was called from being a fisherman to fishers of men, but he hung on to his boat. He hung on to the boat. And when that moment came to his life that, that he felt like God had disappeared from his life, he turned around and said, I'm going back to the boat and I'm going fishing. I'm going back 
to where I was before this happens. You see, that boat this morning to me represents some things we hold on to just in case. Amen. And so when this morning a pastor is bold enough to start preaching against your quote boat, not your literal boat, but the thing that you've hung on to from the past, uh, it'd get real quiet. Because it's okay for, for you to preach miracles and faith, Pastor. But don't talk about us selling a boat. Or don't talk about us selling the paraphernalia. Don't talk about us getting rid of some things. Don't do that, Pastor. You see, Peter needed that boat. And if you'll think with me, every time that Peter got in trouble, he was somewhere close to that boat. It was in that boat that Jesus was asleep one night, one day, and a storm came. And he got so overwhelmed with the storm that Peter turned around and he yelled at Jesus, you don't even care about us, God. You ever, you ever accuse God of not caring about you? You don't care about us, God. I'm in this storm and you're asleep. You're not even on the scene. You're not available to help me. It was in that boat that he did that. It was another time in that boat that it was another storm and the waves were tossed and they thought they were going to be overwhelmed and the night was dark and Jesus comes walking on the water and when they recognized it was him, the Lord says, Peter, get out of that boat and walk to me. The Lord was trying to prove to Peter that you don't need that boat anymore, Peter. You get out of that boat get out of it and come with me and you know the story that Peter walked on water right there with Jesus I'm telling you this morning some folks don't believe the literal efficacy of some Bible stories but let me tell you if the word of God said that Peter walked on water it's an absolute impossibility but Peter walked on water Hallelujah. You got to realize Peter was saying, God, I'm hanging to my boat. But God's saying, no, I've made you a fisher of men. You don't need that boat anymore. I'm taking you places where you might think you need a boat. But I can take you places. The only way you used to get there was with a boat. But if you'll stick with me, I'll take you places. And you won't need that boat anymore. And we'll go there. And we'll have a victory. Amen. Amen. So Peter didn't get rid of his boat, which brings me this morning to our reading. Things had got so bad, things get bad. Things get bad sometimes. Anybody ever had a bad season of life? Okay, let's make it real. You, might, you probably don't want to admit, anybody ever had bad marriage? Anybody had bad finances? Got way more month than you got money. Way more bills than you can even. You can't even steal enough to pay them off. That's bad. Things get bad. Things get bad. But when things get bad, you setting up. You've been set up for an opportunity for God to do something wonderful in your life. You see, things got so bad for Peter that Peter says. Uh, I'm followed after Jesus, but things are so bad, I'm going back to what I was doing before I started following Jesus. And so he loads up his boat, and he takes off, and the story goes on to say that they fished all night, but they caught no fishes. When God's change put a change in your life, and you're going to try to hang on to yesterday. He can shut down your plans. He's a professional fisherman. 
He knew where and how. He knew where the sweet spot, he knew where the stump was. It always worked. He knew where it was. But God shut him down. And there's moments that God can shut you down. He can close doors that you thought were open doors. It's quiet in here. But understand, God knows how to shut your world down. He can, shut your, he can shut your finances down. He can shut your career down. He can shut your emotions down. He can shut you down. And Peter said, I get in my boat and I'm going to go. And God says, you know what? You're going to fish all night. And you're not going to catch nothing. Nothing. And so Jesus showed up and says, you boys, y'all got any fish? We don't have anything. He says, and how about you take your net and throw it on the other side of the boat? You see, God says, you've been doing it on one side of that boat, they'd fish. On the other side of that boat, they'd cull fish, designed that way. He said, you throw your net on the other side this time. So God said, you've been doing it your way, and I've shut it down, and it ain't working. So now we're going to take that net and throw it off in somewhere that's not supposed to work. Something that doesn't make sense in your own rationale and your own mentality. Say, okay, I'm going to throw, you're going to throw the net on the other side this time. And they did. The Bible says they filled up the nets. Fill up the nets. God will shut down your plans, and he'll show you my plan for your life is way better than you could ever thought your plan could be. Amen. You've got to realize uh, he can shut down a career. He can shut down a marriage. He can shut down a dream. He can shut it down. And you'll begin to realize uh, God's working on something in my life. And I don't quite understand what's going on. But since God's working, I'm going to let it happen. And so me trying to do it the way I've always done it. And trying to me stubbornly thinking, I know how to do this. Uh, God says, take that net and do it different this time. I'd be willing to take the net uh, and I will do it differently different this time and I'll throw it out on the other side this time because my way don't seem to be working and sometimes we can be so absolutely stubborn in our human ways that we're determined this is the way it's always been it's the way it's going to always be and that's not the way it is because God will shut down what you think and say this time we're going to operate in my realm and in my plan and in my will and in my process Amen. Amen. So Peter was busy trying to make the familiar work. They didn't even see Jesus. If you read this story, Jesus had showed up. They were fighting to do it their way. And finally the Lord said, boys, boys, y'all got any fish? He had to yell at them to get their attention. Sometimes you get so busy doing your own thing that God's over here saying, hey, I wish I could whistle real loud. I would. Hey, hey. I mean, God gets his heavenly cell phone out and you're so busy glued to your world. He has to send you a message that pops up in your face or pops into your head. Say, hey, God's trying to get a hold of you right now. Amen. 
And some of us uh, have gotten so stubborn along the way, thinking it's going to be our way. We're going to do it this way. This is the only way that it is. And it's not that way. God's got a plan. And he's moving you to a new place. He's moving you to a new dimension. He's, he's working in your circumstances. And while he's got your world shut down, he's got a brand new harvest coming your way. He's got a brand new. He's about to fill your net up. He's about to answer your prayer. He's about to give you something wonderful. And it was in this moment that Peter's trying to work it out, hanging on to his own boat. That the Lord bid them to come hither. And the Bible says that Peter literally took his cloak off. He dove in the water. And he got to Jesus as fast as he could. The other boats would arrive on in a moment. You see, something had happened. When God had spoke to him and says, Peter, if you want to walk on this water, you come over here and walk with me. And now, now Peter's working things out on his own. And he sees the Lord over there on the shore yelling at him. When it, Peter's stubborn ways finally stop and he gets his mind fixed back on the master, he's thinking, I can't stay in my boat if Jesus is out there. So what he did is he dove out. He didn't walk on the water this time, but the Bible says he jumped from that boat and he swam and splashed in to where Jesus was waiting on him. And so when he splashed in to where Jesus was waiting on him, there was already bread on the fire. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. You see, when Peter realized This is my last moment on this boat. He jumps out of the boat. He finds the master already had prepared for him on that fire what he was looking for. In closing this morning, in closing this morning, let me say this. God is working in somebody's life. And some of us have been stubborn. We have been stubborn. We have been self-willed. We've been determined we can do it our way. And God can literally shut down life. And I'm telling you, already on the beach of your life, God's got provision. He's got what you're looking for already gathered up. And you might have fished all night, and God might have your world shut down. But understand, when God shuts down your world, he doesn't do it without already having made provision for you in the morning time. He has already made provision for you. So right now in this room, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to start talking to Jesus. God, you're dealing with my life. You're dealing with my spirit. You're working on me, Lord. You're working in me, Lord, and I've got to have you, and I've got to have your help. And God, I've been stubborn, and God, I've been self-willed, and God, I've tried to do it my way. But God, if you've got to shut my world down to let me be exactly what you want me to be, God, then I say shut my world down, Lord. Dry up my fish. Dry up my process, God, and work in me, Jesus. Work in me, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want the Lord to connect in this room in the next 60 seconds. Right where you're at, can you lift up your hands? And for 60 seconds, I want you to talk to Jesus. 
because we put a 67 60 second limit on it it's going to be hard for you to do it for 60 seconds but I just want you to pour your heart out to Jesus for one minute Jesus I love you Jesus I worship you Jesus I magnify you Jesus I rejoice in you Jesus I need you to have your way in my life I need you to have your way in my spirit I need Lord I need your miracle in my life I need your provision in my life I need your answer in my life God I've been self-willed God I've hung on to my boat I've hung on to my junk God but I'm ready to let it go Lord because today's the last day I own this boat and today's the last day today's the last day oh Lord that I own that stuff I'm not hanging on to it I don't have an escape plan God I'm going to walk with you God I'm going to chase after you God I'm going to reach out for you Lord I want your will in my life Jesus I want your will in my life in my spirit Lord I want your will Lord and I'm not hanging on to it another day I'm not hanging on to it another hour Lord hallelujah 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 that's it reach out lift up your voice to him lift up your voice to him you may be a visitor here today but lift up your voice to him